we've been talking about uh, the fruit of the Spirit, and we're on uh, peace. And, you know, if you went around and you asked people, uh, anyone about peace or that, that idea, just in general, like what they, whatever they thought peace was, and you would ask them, do you want peace? That's like a universally desired thing. Like no one is, no one's contesting that. No one's going, no, I love this angst and turmoil in my soul and I want to keep it there. Uh, like, like, every, like people universally, they want peace. Now what that peace is, uh, that's where it gets tricky, because then if you follow up, what's peace to you? Everyone's going to give you a different definition. Like, they're going to have this idea of what that means to them. And for some of them, it's as long as there's turmoil and angst around me, it makes me happy, and that's the peace I want. But, you no, know, for a lot of people, it's like, it's, it's just this, there's this moment, it's something that they chase, it's this idea of not having any worries in front of them. Uh, I, uh, the, and sometimes when you ask people, well, do you have that peace right now? Usually if someone says, well, I'm at peace, or, or, or I have peace, usually if you stay quiet, they have to follow it up with some sort of justification. Uh, they can't just go, yeah, I'm at peace, it's great. Uh, usually it stays, well, this is going this way, and these are the problems that I'm having, and they start to, you start to uncover these little pockets of stress in their life, but they go, but I'm at peace. So, okay. And we, again, we, we think of it all differently. I have, if you asked me, uh, what, what is peace to you? And I just started getting an idea in my head. I do have an idea of peace to me. It's great. It involves a record player. And uh, so collecting records was like my, um, my COVID hobby. This didn't exist until, until COVID, and I decided I wanted to start collecting uh, vinyl. And I did, and I started collecting all these different records, uh, music from my childhood that I was recapturing and, uh, and, and I would love to play, and, and to me, peace is this moment where everyone in my family is doing something somewhere else in the house, and it's quiet, and I can go, and I can put on my record, and I can, I can just pick one, I can just put it on, and it is beautiful for two minutes, <laughs> and First, my wife will come down the stairs, and she'll sit on the couch next to me, and she'll have her phone, and, you know, and it's like, okay, all right, and we're just, I'm just listening to this record. It's great, and, you know, I've poured myself a drink, and then Kim says, you know, I don't know if this is a good time to talk about it. You let me know, but we do need to do our taxes sometime tonight, so I don't know if, <laughs> and I go, all right, um, can I just have a minute? Can I just have a minute? Yeah, sure. All right, great, great, and then, um, you know, my, my, my 14-year-old will come downstairs uh, with the same question she has every night, which is, so what's for dinner? And I go, I don't know yet. Uh, why am I the one that has to make this decision right now? Um, I don't know what's for dinner. Let's, well, can we not talk about it right now? Can I just have a few minutes of not talking about it? Sure, that's great. And then, like, within 30 seconds later, um, my 16-year-old and my 7-year-old, who seem to have this uh, ongoing uh, fight for the last seven years that still hasn't gone away. Um, like, they start arguing and getting loud with one another, and they come down with their dispute, and they want me to solve it, and I'm like, guys, I'm just trying. Dude, no one was bothering me two minutes ago until I put the record on. What is it about the record that makes everyone come into me? It's like a magnet. It's got a tone arm and a needle, and it's got a magnet. It brings my whole family in with issues. And then I started explaining my frustration to them, and I got four pairs of eyes just blankly staring at me like, Dad, what's wrong? You know, and it's just like, I just wanted that moment's peace, 
right? Like we, we get up in the morning, we sit in Philly traffic, we go and we work hard all day, we sit in more Philly traffic, we come back home, we either help with the kids or if you're in college, you study, you cook, you clean. If you're college, maybe you don't clean. And <laughs> then we get to, uh, the, we, we keep doing all of this so we can get to this moment of, I don't have anything in front of me, I don't have any stresses around me, I have this moment of peace that is ne- where the, all this worries and angst is not in front of me. We, and what we do, the truth is, we as human beings, we, we chase peace. We, we're, we're running after it. We're trying to find it in some capacity. We seek it as an end to ourselves. And, uh, but it's elusive. And throughout history, this is people trying to find peace. And throughout history, uh, they either will admit that they have, they're not finding it or uh, they get it and it's like a vapor. It's gone immediately. Uh, Throughout history, uh, evil men have done very horrible things uh, to entire groups of people because in their mind, the ends of that is they're going to have what they think is peace. Uh, We can justify doing horrible things to get this peace that we so often desire. And if we're honest, sometimes peace, peace it feels mythical. You know, the older you get, uh, the more experiences you have of feeling this loudness in your soul and just wanting to quiet that, whether it's the relationships around you or the troubles at work or the disputes that you're seeing online everywhere or the news that you're being bombarded with. It's hitting you and you just want some level of quiet and it feels like it, it can't be found. Uh, it's compounded by the fact that the world keeps offering something that it calls peace, and it's actually the opposite of it. Uh, we, when, when we look around us, we, what we're seeing is uh, anxiousness, we're seeing busyness, we're seeing the threat of failure, we're seeing the threat of harm, we're seeing the threat of losing possessions, we're seeing the threat of losing people we love. I mean, I wanted to do this, I didn't take the time, but a uh, fun experiment, if you're bored, go home and just try to just relapse like the, the main headlines of each day of the week. Uh, we did get one day where some people, depending on how you view life, uh, are no longer going to be feeding us news, and you might call that happy or sad, depending on where you sit, but outside of that, it was just a lot of really bad news. Uh, and like even then, what happened when this news gets announced? There's people who are angry at other people and they're lobbing bombs and accusations and it's just this, this giant ball of stress. And I'll be honest, like about, it was about what, six weeks ago, I think Rob asked, could you, uh, could you, talk, can you talk about this on April 30th? And I said, sure. And from, I didn't wait until the last minute, uh, but I think every single time I sat down six weeks ago to now, I'm in the back of my head, I'm sitting down, I'm coming right away from uh, a situation of uh, friends whose relationships are deteriorating or stress with colleagues or um, bad news hitting around or come seeing some argument take place from people I respect uh, but are now having this, this disagreement with one another and having just conflicts within the siblings within my home and, uh, and or helping a brother and sister in Christ in turmoil. I mean, this was just everywhere. And the problem is that we, our society, it talks a great peace game. 
but it doesn't necessarily back it up. There's actually a very simple reason why. Uh, we cannot produce peace. We can't conjure it up. We can, we can conjure Zen. We can have that moment. I, that beautiful moment like where I turn that record player on and maybe something doesn't bother me for an entire side of that record, that would be amazing. I can't remember the last time that's happened, but that would be amazing. <laughs> but let's say it happened. It would be great and it would end. Those of you who know, like my getaway place is Tennessee. I love being in Tennessee. And one of the things I love is getting a co- drinking coffee uh, and catching a sunrise before uh, the kids get up, and it's wonderful, and it's great, and it ends. 2017, y'all, it was, or what year? I forget. All I know, I remember the feeling when Tom Brady threw this long pass, and Gronk didn't catch it, and the Eagles won the Super Bowl, and unless you were in Adams or Chisholm, it was amazing for you. You were in absolute moment of zen. All was right with the world. And you didn't feel that way when we threw the game to Washington two years later. Like that feeling was gone. Uh, So it, it comes and it goes, but it's not actual peace. I would submit to you that's actually a counterfeit peace. That's not what peace is. There's another thing. We can, we can conjure this attitude of apathy, this I'm fine. This doesn't bother me. Ah, your words have no weight on me. They're not going to bother me. I've had to have this sort of conversation with my son because his go-to, and he's not here right now, poor kid, I'm calling out illustrations, but he's not here to defend himself. But my, my young son, his go-to, when he's hurting and he feels backed in a corner, is to try to get you back with his words. You know, try to say things that try to hurt your feelings. And I'll, try, I'll tell him, your words are not going to affect this. They have no effect on me here. And I'm lying they hurt. (laughs) It crushes my soul, some of the things my son says to me. I just don't want him to know that. I think he's got the leg up, but it really hurts. But I can say, I can say, I'm fine. I'm not bothered by this. I'm okay. You know what? I'm going to remove myself from the situation. It's not going to bother me anymore. We can kind of conjure up this sense and this attitude of apathy, but I would submit to you that that is a counterfeit piece. It's not actual peace. And, and what we're like, what, peace, it is a definition. If we were to look at what scripture says, and we will, and we're going to take a time in a moment, but peace, if we were to define that, peace is rest in full assurance that God is with you and he's working for his glory and your good. Rest in full assurance that God is with you and is working for his glory and our good. And how do we get there? Well, Paul addresses this in Galatians 5, uh, in the, where this, this passage that talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And the church of Galatia, uh, this is a church that uh, wanted to glorify God. They, they, this, was on, this is what we want to do. They, they weren't openly rebelling. They weren't saying, okay, great, uh, we've heard uh, this so-called truth that we're being presented with, this gospel. It's not what we want. We want something different. No, they wanted to glorify God. The trick was, shortly after Paul uh, came to them, uh, very quickly some false teachers crept in, and uh, they said, listen, uh, church, uh, if you want to glorify God, this is what you must do. You must follow the Mosaic law and all of its rituals 
and, uh, and, and to a T, you must obey this. And uh, the Gentiles coming in, you need to become Jews. Men, you need to be circumcised. You need to also follow all the rituals of the Mosaic law. And then, okay, let's, let's get this done. This is what we should be doing. Uh, and Paul is going to come in and sort of set the record straight. It's not going to be a mild course correction. Uh, if you were to read through all of Paul's epistles to the churches, this is sort of like his hardest hitting. Uh, he squarely says you're being foolish uh, that he does to a church. Like he's, he's going to really set them on the path and go, this is wrong. He's going to bring them back to the truth. Paul wants them to know and he talks about, especially in Galatians 2 and in 3, uh, that they're not redeemed by adherence to the law, but by the grace that's offered through the atoning work of Jesus on the cross. That's the redemption. From there, being not under the law, we're not under the law. This is what he's teaching. We're not under the law, but we're under grace. We don't produce good work. Instead, uh, good work is produced in us by the work of the Holy Spirit. So we, by obeying the law, we are not producing good work, but good work is produced by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And so let's read together Galatians 5, uh, 16 and 24. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against these things, there's no law. There's no law prohibiting or giving boundary to these things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So Paul gives wisdom to this church. They're, they are trying, in their minds, they are set on this, like we are going to stay in bounds. We're not going to go out of bounds. And Paul goes, okay, we're not under the law. I tell you what, I'm going to give you something to do. You want something to do. You want something to follow. I'm going to give it to you. Walk by the Spirit. You walk in the Spirit. This is what you need to do. If you walk in the Spirit, then you're not going to have to worry about fulfilling these things, the, the, these things you're trying to stay out of bounds on. If you walk in the Spirit, instead, these, uh, these fruits are going to be produced in you. Now, we get this sort of contrasting, we get these contrasting lists here. We have the Spirit-driven uh, desires versus the carnal-driven desires. And he presents this very like stark contrast. They're not going to mix. If you're pursuing uh, desires of the Spirit, you're not going to be going after these things. You might be tempted with these things. You might struggle with these things. You're not perfect. This is not going to be where your mind is. How do I go and get these things? In 
Conversely, you're not, if you're pursuing these things, these pleasures for yourself, this way of showing that you're right and you're after your way, you're not going to be following after the Spirit. It just doesn't seem important or valuable to you because we're going in different directions. But what he says is that if you're walking in the Spirit, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be producing these things. He calls it a byproduct. So, when he talks about what we produce, if you look at the language that Paul's using, it's pretty clear. What we produce is, uh, let's see here, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, opposite of peace. This is what we produce. Don't believe me? Go on Facebook, or if you're under 40, TikTok. Um, but, like, we can't, like, everyone has to have a problem with something, right? Like, someone makes a post, and it's like, oh, no, no, no. I got to say something about this. By the way, uh, I've been in this industry long enough now to know, like, this is how this works. Uh, the, our, the job of different media companies is simply to keep you engaged. Uh, whether the, the metrics vary from place to place, but it's, it's pretty clear. It's like, if I keep you engaged, I keep you on my platform, I make more money from you. So, how I do this is I have to keep you engaged. Guess what emotion's gonna get you most engaged? Anger, yeah. Or fear, which leads to anger. You've seen Star Wars. Um, no, it's, yeah, if I can get you angry, if I can get you arguing with someone, ah, that's gold, because then you're gonna come back to see how many people liked what you said. And what if someone else dares comment and disagrees with you? Now I'm going to get more out of it. And you're going to stay on my platform. It's great for me, but it's horrible for you. But I don't care. You should know that's how the platforms are working. Um, we produce strife. We don't produce peace. What produces peace? The Spirit does. It's a fruit. That's why he says it's the fruit of the Spirit. These are the works of the flesh. This is the works that you do in the Spirit. No, this is the fruit of the Spirit. This is what the Spirit produces through you. And you might say, cool, Chris, great. I'm a child of God. I'm saved by grace. I'm faithful in my church. I have wonderful friends. It's fantastic. I fail all the time, but I try to glorify God, and I'm here to tell you I have no peace. Everything around me is crumbling I feel distraught and destroyed and brought low. So how does that apply to me? If I can love you for a minute uh, and just be very real with you, uh, the problem might be uh, your definition of peace. And I think that's where a lot of us go. We've allowed surroundings and the world to define for us what peace is. And uh, when, we, when things don't add up to that, we go, oh, well, is God really good? Because that's what so-and-so tells me. If God was really good, how are you in this situation? How are these things happening? And uh, because we're allowing those things to define for us what peace is instead of God. Um, the world's definition is, you know, you're chasing this moment, a uh, season of a quieted heart where all is right with the world around you. Everyone is happy. Everything is great. The stresses and the angst and the pressures, they just go away. That is peace. That's what the world says. That's not what the Bible says. 
Now the trick is, so that's one problem that we have with this. There's another problem. I lost some of you like five minutes ago uh, because some of you, once I talked about walking in the spirit, you were like, that's awesome. How do I do that? Uh, because it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful statement. Well, just walk in the spirit. You're going to be great. Okay. I don't know what that means. Uh, like, what, like, do I, like, like, like I walk in my shoes? Like, what, is that, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Um, so uh, this is actually addressed uh, in another passage in Philippians chapter 4. So if we can turn there. Uh, if you're following along, if you're not quite sure, like Galatians, then Ephesians, Philippians, it's two books over. Uh, it's not a lot of pages, they're short. Uh, Philippians chapter 4. And in, four, in, in verses 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, pure, lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things and what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. If we think on these things and we do these things, the God of peace is with us. This is what it means to walk in the Spirit. This is where, where does real peace come? Verse 7, and the peace of God which surpasses uh, all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It surpasses all understanding. We like the sound of that because you know, again, we're, we, we get these moments where things don't feel so stressful or bad for us. And so, wow, this is an even greater thing. Fantastic. But what is it? It says it's going to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. This is a peace that endures and sustains. And I want you to let that sink in because that's the difference between how the world defines it and how God defines it. We're looking for a moment. That's the world. A moment's peace. And peace is something that when everything's great, you have it, and when it's terrible, you don't. It's defined by your circumstances which are constantly shifting. And God's definition of peace is something that is through. It endures. It sustains that's the uniqueness. That's the difference. But sustains to what end? Well, to make me happy? To give me some sense of placation from all of the stress that's going on in my life? Like, is, the, is that the end? No, the end is your relationship with Christ. That is the end. That's the sustaining, the peace that you would still be in Jesus and knowing his presence. That is a what it is. Now, for some of you, I don't have to convince you of this because you've been through this. You've been wronged. You've been betrayed. You've been made to feel alone. You were not believed. 
the hurt that some people in this room or some people watching online have endured even in these last couple of years is immense. And yet somehow, you're still here. And somehow, even when you're at your most agonizing of situations in front of you, there's something inside of you where you know it's going to be okay. And the world does not get that. It doesn't understand why you're not angry. It doesn't understand how you can still go to church after this horrible things that have happened to you. It doesn't understand why you say you would still believe because if God was good, these things would not be happening to you. The world has no explanation for that and so it cannot understand it and that's that peace that he gives. Others of you, maybe you weren't wrong. Maybe you've just been unwell. Um, Maybe you've had disease rob you of moments in life that you have been looking forward to and that you won't get on this earth. Maybe you found yourself so deep in depression that the even thought of getting out of bed, it's going to be a miracle if it happens. And uh, people just go give you advice on ways to fix it and you know there's no, quote, fixing it. Uh, And through it all, despite the nasty voices that can go around you or even within your head and your own soul, you uh, can, some of you can look back, no, God did not abandon me, I know that. And he sustained me. And peace is resting in that assurance. And so you can do that now because you've been through it. And there's others who haven't yet. Those times will truly come. And you know, but you know, that's God's peace. Mankind has chased peace since its fall. (laughs) Whether it's world peace or inner quiet, we work tirelessly for something uh, that just could be a flicker of a moment. It could come and go, Uh, but it's not real peace. Look at verse eight and nine. Uh, It's think this way. Do these things. He gives this list and he says, if there's any, he kind of expands on it. It's not just confined to this list. He says, listen, if there's, Anything that's, that's filled with excellence, that's worthy to be discussed, that's virtuous, if there's anything worthy of praise, that's praiseworthy, put this in your mind. Be thinking this way. This requires us to change our conversation. Cross-reference that with Galatians 5. When, we have, when we're going after desires of the flesh, what are we producing? Things that please us, whether it's a sensual pleasure, whether it's proving that I'm right and you're wrong, like whatever those things are, uh, those, those are what we produce when we're left of ourselves. Instead, think this way. And then Paul says, do like I do. We change the way we think. We practice these things instead. Um, he says elsewhere, Paul would say, be imitators of me as I am of Jesus. That's essentially what he's saying here. Um, Paul also in scripture calls himself the chiefest of sinners. So he's not just saying do exactly like me. Uh, The context of that is, as I follow Jesus, seek to be followers of me. And here he says, and look at the promise that's attached to it in verse 9. And the God of peace will be with you. That's real peace. That's, That's real peace. Communion that only comes with the God of peace. 
So how does one get that? Peace is produced when we walk in the Spirit through communion with God made possible by Jesus' atoning work on the cross. Peace is produced as we walk in the Spirit through communion with God made possible by Jesus' atoning work on the cross. So, what does that look like for us? Well, uh, one, as believers of God, uh, something that we have to do, some responsibility that's put on us here, is we have to stop fretting over things. Right? Works of the flesh listed out, envy, jealousy, strife. We have to make that, we have to stop pursuing uh, that revenge or that concept that we are right or better. That has, to, that has to not be of the children of God. And if that is something that is within you, uh, sometimes that's going to require you to change the channel. I don't, uh, as, ever since I was a young adult on my own, uh, it was not a problem for me. I simply did not watch the news. That's, that idea is still foreign to me. Why? Because I, I have, you have this amazing, pious, I figured things out. No. Uh, but when I was younger and my parents watched the news, I just noticed it was on all night and they just constantly yelled at the TV uh, and they, because they were super mad at it, what I was saying. And I didn't want to just spend every night. just wasn't a good idea to me. Like my idea of a good time, just yell at the TV and about how bad things were. Like, it's fine. I can read the headlines uh, in 30 seconds and I can know how bad it is and I can move on with my day. Uh, but for some of us, that requires us to change the channel. Because what it's putting in front of us, whether that's news, entertainment, whatever, it's putting our mind in a place we are not thinking on things that are excellent. We are not thinking on things that are praiseworthy. Our minds are on things that drive fear, that drive anger, that drive strife, that drive lust, whatever that is. For some of us, the last thing, for some of you, the last thing, you don't even watch TV anymore. That's like gone. That's something old people do. You might need to quit doom scrolling. Uh, like, you'll spend an hour and a half on Instagram Reels or TikTok, and you'll be watching these funny things of people hurting themselves, and I'll admit it's really funny. Um, but where does that leave us? What are we thinking about? And so for, it's not, this isn't to meant some kind of, you know, if you're on this app or you watch the show that it's somehow wrong. I'm not saying that. I'm asking you simply to look within yourself and go, when I, what am I filling my mind with, with my time? It doesn't have to be electronic media. Read a book. Whatever it is, like what are you filling your mind with? It could just be talks of friends over the coffee table. It still may not be it still may only be producing those things uh, which God says are works of the flesh. So we have to change the way we think, and that requires of some of us, we've got to put some things out that are putting things into our minds where we're thinking a certain way that's not going to, that's not walking in the spirit. It's not going to lead to peace. Then, when we see, we have to be students of the word. We see where Paul talks about this. He talks about practicing the things I do or think. Well, we don't have that luxury of seeing Paul on that day. How we do that is we know and understand what the word says. 
how we're to live, what we're to do. And we look for that. And that mental state of, I want, I want to do this. It really starts even, like, do we even want to walk in the spirit? That's the first question we have to ask. Uh, Because for some of us, if we're being honest, it's like, it's not really a priority. It's not something that, it'd be a nice to have. But really, I've got to, this is what I'm driving for. This is what I want to live for. I, I enjoy these things too much to put them down. But when we're walking in the spirit, going back to Philippians, it says clearly there's things we're doing. If we're walking in the spirit, what we're going to see is we're going to be rejoicing. There's times when it's really easy to rejoice. There's times when it's really hard. And so Paul means it when he writes, rejoice in all things. We're rejoicing. We're praying. Something you, am I walking in the spirit? We're praying. That's, what, that's your measuring tape. It's not my measuring tape for you, but it's your measuring tape for you. We're filling our minds with things of virtue. We're practicing things the word tells us to. And that's not some sort, again, that's not some sort of, of thing that I'm putting on you. That's what Paul is saying. This is someone who is experiencing peace, real peace. This is what, these are the characteristics we see. We think this way, we do these things. This is walking in the Spirit. And then it goes further. Because if we've received peace, as we read in Colossians, uh, in Colossians chapter 1 this morning, if we receive peace by the work of Christ, then we also can reflect Christ by being peacemakers with those around us. So, shock of all shocks, Instead of getting online or disputing things, we're seeking to reconcile. We're seeking to restore. Even if someone is absolutely wrong. Like they're a Patriots fan. (laughs) We still love them. (laughs) No, we seek to be peacemakers. We seek to be... uh, a seeker of restoration. We're not causers of strife. We're not participants in the division. Instead, we want to restore. And as we walk in the Spirit, we're told that that peace would would be produced in our lives. Now, for God, this is very different. This is important for us to clear out. These are things I just told you from our perspective. These are responsibilities that are put on Christians. Like, these are things that you ought to do. That responsibility and weight, kind of weight, is not put on God. And that's an important distinction because the world says it ought to be. Well, God ought to do this. God, if God's so good, how come my mom was taken from me? If God wants us to have peace, how come my family grates on my last nerve? I hate my job. My entire life is one pot of misery. If God wants me to have peace, why is it this way? Why would God allow this to happen? If God wants peace so bad, how come Eastern Europe is in absolute shambles and thousands of people have paid for it with their lives and hundreds of thousands of livelihoods have been affected? Uh, if, if God is so big on peace, like why is this happening? This is man's definition of peace and how God should work. But God instead knows that the best thing we can experience the best peace is communion with him. And for that, God works to get us to that place 
So in our communion with him, he offers us a peace that would pass his understanding, that would be sustained through those circumstances. If, um, if there were peasants in a kingdom that had a dispute and they went to get that dispute resolved, no matter what authority would solve that for them, uh, there would be another who could usurp it. Uh, unless it was like the supreme ruler of that kingdom. Because once the supreme ruler of that kingdom uh, like settled that dispute, like that was it. The contestation was over. Like we, we've come to agreement. There is now peace. And so when the supreme ruler of the universe tells us this is what peace is and promises it to his children, then we can cling to that. We don't have to wonder uh, if that's enough or there's something else through there. Some of you, maybe there may be some sitting here or at home. And all of this is foreign to you because you've spent your entire life trying to make uh, your own peace uh, in your heart and around you. And if you've tried to make your own peace with God, uh, rather than trust in Jesus, if, uh, if the one who made uh, Jesus, who's made peace on our behalf uh, through his death for our sins on the cross, this is my plea to you. Today, lay down your burdens. Abandon your pursuits for that inner peace within you. And trust Jesus who took on you, took on himself, the sins of man, sufficient for all my sin and yours, and discover that true peace, enduring peace from him. But more than peace, be reconciled to your, uh, your creator who loves you and had his own son pay for your sins through death so that we might be together with him. Walking in the Spirit produces peace the world cannot offer and does not understand. It's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who cultivates that peace within us, not us. Can't create it. I can't drum it up. I can get that moment of like just Zen calm, and it's going to be gone. And if you've had those moments, and it's really great, but you keep chasing something more, let me encourage you. Scripture gives the blueprint. It's very clear. Walk in the Spirit. Think this way. Do these things. Walk in the Spirit. And the Spirit is going to produce these things in you. Well, I worked at a, a camp years ago. Um, and it was a Christian camp. And uh, one of the things that we would do uh, when we were uh, counseling uh, the teens is, you know, uh, if a teen came to us with a problem and they were like, yeah, I, you know, I punch my brother in the face a lot and I probably shouldn't do that. Uh, you know, I get angry and I don't know what to do, so I, you know, I smash things, and you know, and we're we're talking through these different issues, and uh, we know that's why they came to us, but we we actually have this little illustration of this tree that we show them, and we're like, okay, so uh, you have anger issues, uh, and that would be a fruit uh, on this tree, and uh, and as we go down, we get down to the root. What's the root of this problem? And and what we would teach the teens is, uh, well, you say what you say and you do what you do 
because you think what you think, and you think what you think because you believe what you believe about God and his word in you. What you believe about God, what he says in his word, and your own abilities determines how you think about things, and it's gonna determine what you say and do. And so if you're here today, and peace feels completely elusive to you, may we encourage you, pause. Are you thinking about peace your way or God's way? I would encourage you that God's peace offers you something much more than what the world says peace could be. Are you thinking about uh, how peace can be produced somehow in your own ability and you setting up the right circumstances around you? Or are you thinking, let me walk in the spirit. Let me let God define what peace is. And when I know that God says the best peace is knowing that he is with me and knowing that he is working actively, even if I can't see it clearly, for his glory and my good, and I can have peace. That should be all of our goal. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the peace that you offer. I thank you for the, that your peace uh, is produced by the Holy Spirit. As a confession, I thank you that uh, I, in fact, cannot produce peace. Uh, I have shown through 43 years that I cannot. Um, and to know that my assumptions are correct and that it cannot be produced by me uh, is an assuring thing. Lord, I know that there are those here today who are hurting who are actively battling uncontrollable rage and fear. And I ask for your grace on them. And Father, I ask that in the power of your spirit, where our faith is weak and small, would you help us to see that the greatest peace that can be found is in your presence. And so instead of seeking things that would lead to strife and division, may we instead walk in the Spirit. And in the power and grace of your Spirit, would you cultivate peace in the hearts of all of us, but I think in particular for some who are hurting today and who all around them, the world is filling with a false definition of peace. I thank you for the peace that you offer. I pray that it would ring true. I pray that we would be peacemakers, not just receivers of it, but reflect the glory of Christ and how we make peace. And we'll praise you for how you are indeed working through your people here at Grace City Church. In Christ's name, amen.